Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. We have an awesome guest, kind of a perfect off-season guest to start wrapping up football season. We're very excited to talk with former Clemson running back, Darian Wrencher. Before we get into that, Mac, I wanted to ask you, because we were talking with Wrencher about being a former running back, and we both went through that, the transition of no longer being a student-athlete. But for you, I know you did the NFL training and stuff like that. What was it like when you were suddenly a former player? And then what was the NFL training like? Yeah, for, for someone who was titled Mr. Clemson, it was <laughs> it was weird to, you know, no longer be that kind of, um, you know, in, in a sense and, and to step away, you know, from the game that you you love. And, and I remember, you know, it was kind of interesting hearing, you know, Darian's kind of, as you guys will hear in a second, his view on the last game and what that meant and some other guys' point of view, um, that was a win. Mine was in a loss in a national championship. And I mean, I was, I was bawling. I was sobbing. Brutal. And the, it wasn't because we lost. It, it certainly had a little bit to do with it. But the biggest reason was that was the last time ever that I was going to wear a Clemson paw on the side of my head. And then I was going to represent, you know, that great university that I chose five years ago and wanted to be a part of. Um, so that was the most difficult thing for me. And, you know, seeing my parents walking off the field, I was very lucky and blessed. My parents had unbelievable seats for the Natty. And so when I walked off, my brother and I, you know, they were right there. And uh, so to have that moment was crazy um, and, and super sad. But, you know, w- once it was over, over, and once I was done being an athlete, um, that was a weird transition. And I think it was a little bit easier for me just because throughout that process, not that you're coming to peace with it, but you don't know. You, you just don't know. And so it, it was, it wasn't as abrupt ending as, you know, some folks have to deal with. There was kind of a buildup to it um, to where it was just like, okay, you know, my, my time's done. You got to move on. What's next? And I think for me, it was always just, that wasn't what I found my identity in. And I know you're the exact same, but it, so it wasn't as hard for me. It was just, what's the next chapter. And for me, that was going back to school and, and then working in sales. And then finally here at ESPN, such a great journey. So it, it's an interesting thing. And a lot of people deal with it differently. It's a great point, Mac. And, you know, I think for a lot of female athletes, it's very different because you don't, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that other women don't have pro opportunities. Of course, plenty do. For me, I was not going to pursue pro basketball. So I knew it was coming to an end and I knew there wasn't any, anything else. So that was almost easier, I think, because I was able to just close the chapter. But it is so weird because, and you know this, Mac, you've devoted so much of like especially your formative years. Yeah. You are constantly thinking about your sport. I had not gone probably at least 3 days in a row without shooting a basketball right. in like my whole life. <laughs> and so that transition is so weird. And now, you know, I haven't shot a basketball in a long time, but that's just how it is and you know, I still get out there and shoot. You can't not do that. Mac knows he's he's a hooper. That's so. right. But yeah, you're right. I think the key is obviously not having your identity in that sport, which, you know, people do struggle with. And then for me, not having the, even the pro opportunities was able to close that chapter a little easier, but it's odd. That's, it is odd. And it sounds like the shooting thing was the weirdest thing for you talking yes, about not it having was. done it in three days consecutive forever. Uh, for me, it was, it was while I was working out, 
It was the fact that I didn't have to go if I didn't want to. Didn't have to go to the gym if I didn't want to. I didn't. If if I was you know going and maybe didn't feel it that day, if I'm like mid workout, I'm like just not feeling it. I don't have to keep going. I can just go home. Um, So that accountability is certainly it's Uh different. And almost when you're in the gym, you're like looking over your shoulder, like where's Coach Batson? Is is he going to come blast me for (laughs) you know doing this baby weight or something of that nature? So it's certainly it's a transition and it's weird and it's uh uh, but it all ends. It all ends one day and uh, we all have to stop playing. So that transition eventually happens. Some people like Tom Brady and uh, LeBron James. It happens at 60 years old. Uh, For others, it happens at 23. So it's uh it's it's a weird process. Or the golfers who can golf forever. Golfers, Max, what's still the one? <laughs> they're still going. We're going to get to ranch, I promise. What's the one thing that you were forced to do as an athlete that you told yourself you won't do anymore? I'll tell you mine. I refuse to get up before the sun for a workout. <laughs> I still, I try to, I work out four times, five times a week. I, I still try to be very disciplined about it, but I will not do it at 6 a.m. <laughs> I just refuse. We're, okay, because so, it was. I'm scarred. Yeah. I am scarred. I had to do it so many times. Would you what call yourself you a morning person though? Like right now, are you a morning person? No. I'm yeah. Not. See, so that, that's a natural transition for you. I, I'm like an anytime person. I, I, I am very blessed that I can function off of two hours of sleep or twelve hours of sleep. It's just whatever, whatever I get. You know, I think because of football, I'm, I'm, you know, happy to to have. Uh, mine is running stadiums. I will never in my life run another stadium. And, you know, some people, when I was still in Clemson, uh, a couple of my buddies that were maybe close by, they're like, oh, you know, let's mix it up today. Let's go, you know, run the stadium or run the hill. I'm like, no, no, I'm never, ever, ever running stadiums ever again. Not even Stairmaster. I have enough PTSD. I won't even step on a Stairmaster. I don't want any part of stairs. No part of it. Oh, gosh. I'm with you on that. I, I've... I've actually done where I've been in a gym setting and I've just like, and I, they probably call it something else. Now this is probably not politically correct. I've run a suicide just to do it. Those are the worst. Just to, just to do it. But we used to do for our conditioning test, we did a six, four, six, which was like two minutes and it was six laps, four back pedals, six laps. Mm. I will never do that again. You, you could not pay me. <laughs> you could not pay me to do that. How about a, uh, how about a 33? Have you ever done that? Do you know what that is? Is it 33 touches on the court? No, it's down and back three times in 33 seconds. Whew. So it, it's probably different. Man. That was a high school okay, thing. No. It's probably different so, on a college court because it's a little bigger. So it'd probably be like. No, no, a, it's a, the same. Oh, is it? Okay. We, yeah, it is. We, did, tw- we, did, we ran 22s. We did a lot of 22s. 22s, not fun. Yeah. So this is how we would end, like during our camp, how we would end practice for basketball. Everybody would line up on the baseline. It would be centers to point guards. So like the worst shooting people to the best shooting. And we would go through the whole team. Yeah, and whoever guys. could make three in a row, we were done. And Kelly, there was this one practice that we were just so tired. We went through the whole team almost no. twice. Almost. No. So you can imagine, there's probably 15 people on the team. We probably ran 30, 33s. Mm-mm. And then fi- finally, someone made, and I think it was a center. I think it was like on the second full time around, I think a center hit two of them. And it was just like, praise the Lord. That was always line up. That ne- that happened in college too. You line up whoever can make free throws, and and you know, coach would be like, "All right, old girl who shoots thirty two percent from the free throw line." <laughs> it was never me. Get up here. <laughs> I never got to shoot those free throws. Of course. Get up here, and if you make two in a row, we won't run. We're done. And we're all sitting there. We're we're being like, "Hey, come on, you can do it." But in our minds, we're like, "This is." It's a, is there anything more demoralizing than hearing your coach say, "To the baseline." Oh God, Kelly! Oh, Kelly's, Kelly's shaking over here, guys. She's she's shook. She's shook. 
I just got chills. All right, Mac, uh, enough reminiscing. We need to tell the people about our wonderful partner over at Duke's Mayonnaise. Come on, KG. Duke's Mayo has that little southern something that makes good things better. Duke's is delicious on sandwiches, in salads, and even as a key baking ingredient. It's low-carb, very friendly for all those watching their very manlyish figures like I am. Uh, it's thick, it's creamy, and it has that texture you want trusted since 1917. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. In addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which is still made according to Mrs. Eugenia Dukes, who's an American hero, by the way, her original <laughs> recipe in Greenville, South Carolina, Dukes offers flavored mayonnaise, regionally inspired Duke Southern sauces, and mustards. I had the mustard on a sandwich the other day. So good. How, hold on. You, you got to give us the play by out. play. How was the sandwich? Because mm. you teased us oh, about it. God. On Wednesday. That was so good. We need to know. I had um, ham, cheese, the sandwich thins, which are good, a little low carb. And I put some Duke's mayonnaise and I put the chipotle mustard. Mm. Woo! Killer. I, I'm, I'm going to make another one for lunch today. <laughs> you guys have to check out these sauces. Go over to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same twang. Come on, KG. Well, we have our Duke's Mayo guest of the week, Darian Rencher. He grew up right in Anderson, South Carolina, enrolled at Clemson in 2016 as a walk-on. He has contributed over his years at Clemson, tallying 482 total yards, three scoring touchdowns, and cemented himself as a leader on this team in 2020. He played a huge part in making sure we played college football and helped start the We Want to Play movement alongside Trevor Lawrence. Rencher was also instrumental in organizing the Black Lives Matter peaceful protest on Clemson's campus in the summer of 2020. For all of his work in the community, he won the 2020 Disney Spirit Award, presented annually to college football's most inspirational player, coach, team, or figure. He also was named to the 2021 AFCA Good Works team for his efforts. He has been a part of two national championship teams at Clemson and five ACC championship teams. Come on, guys. Let's talk to our boy, Wrench. Rich, welcome into the podcast, my man. Thank you so much for joining us. You are officially a former Clemson football player. How weird is that, bro? Indeed. My bio has changed to Clemson <laughs> FB alone. Still got to keep my ties, uh, but we are officially alum now. So, yeah, it definitely um, – I ain't going to say it came quick because it definitely didn't, but um, <laughs> it, it, it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy to, to finally be done. But it, it all feels right. Hey, you, you know what's going to be the weirdest moment, my man, is when you walk up to that facility, you put your finger on it, and it goes, eh, 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 no more excess. That's going to be that's going to be the moment where you're like, it's over, man. It's over. It helps I get that lifetime membership. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think after six years, after six years, Rich, you may get the lifetime membership. You know, Mac only did five. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, um, I think it was right before the game. Or it was our last practice, me and Coach when you were talking, and I was like, dude, we're like, we're like your longest tenured like players ever. Like, I feel like I know you better than anyone. It's like <laughs> me, Skowski, the super singers, like he's he's coached anybody for six years. Right. That's so, crazy. Mm -hmm. Records to be broken. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, well, let's talk about we got so many questions for you, Wrench, but let's talk about this last season, your final season, which was different in many respects than the previous five with the injuries and losing the first two or two of the first four and all that. Overall, when you look back, what will you remember about this season, your final season? Culture. That's like the, the most immediate thing that comes in my head. I just think 
I kind of had a word for this year before the year even started, and I didn't know how it was going to manifest. I thought this year would be like the year of completion for Clemson football, but in a different way. But then obviously this is how – but the same way, I think this is how it was meant to, meant to be. I feel like Clemson's culture and not knowing – this, I, like, I literally told my teammates, told Coach Williams, like week four or five, and like the seniors, and I, I got talked to the team about it. I thought it was going to be like the year we just got to keep walking and then finally something's going to happen. But I had no idea everything that was going to transpire – especially last month. Um, but I really feel like Clemson's culture, you really do see like a lot of things if, that have been kind of like wordplay, but actually coming to action. Like it, it, the program is bigger than any one person or player because players have left, players have went down, coaches have left, um, coaches have stepped up. Um, and you really do see, I think just the the culture, like as, as much adversity we face this year, we had 10 wins. Like I was telling some of the guys I'm training, we got 10 wins. Like y'all got 10 wins. I thought y'all sucked this year. I was like, no, we got 10 wins. We're 10 to three. Um, and so, and I think it's just a testament to the culture. And I really feel like this year was a foundational year for where I feel like the next five years could take it. Cause uh, I'm really excited for the group of guys that's coming back. And I know when everybody's healthy and everything kind of clicks a little more than it did this year, I feel like Clemson is going to just shoot off like it did when Eric was a part of that 2014 team. And just, then you saw the next five, six years what happened. Ranch, when, when you look at this season and KG and you brought up, you know, some of the reasons that, you know, we we saw a down year, if you will, from the Tigers, 10 wins. That's unbelievable. W- was there ever a moment or any of these things that happened? Was there a key injury? Uh, uh, j- just a moment in the season where you're like, I don't know if we can come back from this. I don't know if, I don't know if we've got it here. Was that, was there ever that moment? And if there was, what was it? Why, why did that, that doubt maybe creep in? I remember after Syracuse, so we were three and two. So yeah. We were all offensively like, man, if we don't play better, we might win six games. Like that was that was like a legit. We we went to breakfast. Uh, shout out to Ruffage, little plug on the podcast. It's a place in Pendleton that is literally the best breakfast place in the Clemson area. Now, I swear, but it was all the like offensive leaders. We went to Ruffage that Sunday morning and had a come and Jesus meeting. It was like, dude, if we don't get our dish together, we are gonna like we might win six games. Like literally, well, that Syracuse game, I thought we were gonna like win by a lot more. And, like, they had a good team, a good running back. But, like, I just feel like we just could not get, get clicking. And then we go lose lose the pit for some of those same reasons. But I feel like that was that week and then the pit week where we were, like, three and whatever, whatever we were, three and three, three and four, four and three, was, like, those two weeks were, like, pivotal moments. Because I remember after the game, like, I had never seen Coach Sweeney really be – I've seen him be, like, sad after games, but never seen him be disappointed. Like, after the pit game, he was disappointed in us because he just felt like we left, we left opportunity out there. And that game was pivotal because I think if we win that game, we, we're in Charlotte for sure with no nobody having to help us out. That was the turning point for our team. And after that, we started to kind of hit our stride and, like, really come to, come into our own and start to win, like, better than we had been towards the beginning of the season. So I'll say those moments because those moments were just, like, nobody on our team had ever been there. Like, context, like, I ain't, I lost more games this year than I lost the past three or four seasons. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and so uh, I think – just you see, you saw the leadership really come up, step up, and just it was like, we're gonna take it one game at a time. And let's just go win the next one and get better. And I think the the whole team, especially the young guys, really adopted that mindset, and we kind of went on went on our seven game stretch or six game stretch. On the offense, who did you see step up the most? Kind of in that time period, maybe right after the pit loss. Is there a single guy, or maybe you can just point out a single guy? Um, you know that you can sit here and say that dude right there, the things that he did, the things that he did after this is really a reason that we went on to win, you know, all these games in a row. 
I'll give you like one. I guess I got like four or five guys just like quickly. I would say, I think I loved how Bob course led even post injury. I think he was still like a vocal leader, which was really helpful for the team. Even though he felt like he didn't have anything to contribute, but still he his like expertise, like he's a fifth year guy, played a lot of ball. He was really good for younger guys. I think Jordan McFadden just like being like, I, I look at him as like a rock. Like he don't talk a lot, but you just know what you're going to get out of Jay Mack. And then I saw, I think just seeing DJ's maturation throughout this year was really, was really cool for me to see. Because obviously he didn't get the like the external results that he wanted, but just like, I feel like as a person and hopefully, I think the last couple of games he really came into himself and like really was playing, playing some good ball. But I just feel like he really started to like hone into like, all right, dude, this thing goes as I go. And so you start seeing him be more vocal, start to actually see him be more encouraged. And just like kind of those physical things you want a quarterback, just like you start to see him really like step into that, which is really cool. And then I think Shipley, man, like people have raved about him for a long time this season, but I think he, he's a special kid. And he has like, he's very talented. But he has those intangibles to be like that special leader that you really need, like that Bimbleware, Skowski. Because uh, you got, I mean, even like myself, like I don't play as much, but you need one of those guys who play a lot to have that like, that alpha. And he's, he's definitely, as a young guy, he's definitely got that gear. Um, then I was encouraged by guys like Bo Collins. Bo Collins is, you know, like he just shows up, goes to work. And so I think you look like you look at the offensive side, you see a lot of those guys, even Walker Parks, dog. Like Walker Parks is one of my favorite teammates, bro, is uh, grimy about his business. And so I think all those guys, you kind of saw us kind of turn a corner. It was like, all right, let's go make something up of ourselves for the season. That's good stuff, Wrench. Okay, we're, we're talking about the kind of the struggles early, but let's talk about the finish, an excellent finish yeah. for you guys, winning right. the Cheese It Bowl. And, you know, something Cheesy. that a lot of people – I know the cheese. You, you got you have a lifetime of cheese. It's you got a lot of cheese. It's sitting around now. I do. I got a bunch of cheese of gear. Um, <laughs> so I'll cherish it forever. What you always wanted, hey, right? I will say coolest bowl hats we've gotten. I think. Okay. Like, people are hating on them. I like the vintage look. I'm I agree with you. I saw the vintage yeah. look. I'm like, these are cool. People were hating on them, know. but they just, they don't know that swag, bro. They, they don't get it. They don't get it. Ranch, Come okay. on, man. I know. That's what I'm saying. Vintage is in. Vintage is in. I, I want to ask you a serious question, but first, Mac knows that I'm obsessed with Prince Chedward. I laughed out loud when, I don't know if you, you didn't see because you were at the game. The opening of Does the Does he know who on Prince TV. Chedward is? Yeah, Prince Chedward, the, the cheesy Prince know? guy. I, I used my context clues and I saw the, the, the college football memes thing with yes. Skowski. I guess that's, that's Prince Chedward. Yeah. That's Prince Chedward. Rich, the but opening. I, did, I didn't notice it during the game. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, you're focused. The opening of the game, this dude, this guy in a prince outfit with a cheese head, zip lines into the stadium. Like, I was on the floor dying laughing. Wow. Did you notice him at the trophy uh, situation? Because, I mean, dude, is it could be kind of creepy if you're just not knowing what that is, that he's a prince, of course. Yeah, I was, I just saw cheese, like, galore. I felt like everything around me was like, cheese on the ground, cheese in the air, cheese in boxes, cheese in shirts. And so I definitely saw him. Well, it didn't catch me off guard. It was a chair. Like, it was a bunch of stuff. Okay. All right. I had to get my Prince Shepard question in. Okay, but here, here's the question that everyone nationally is still trying to figure out. No one opted out of the cheese bowl for Clemson. Why? I think the brotherhood, because especially a guy like Booth, and Booth was like one of my locker buddies, and we had definitely our, – our section had definitely a lot of conversations. Like, I mean, when he kind of was like, he didn't know what he was going to do. But then I think it came down to, like, I think Coach Sweeney has a really good saying about not playing God. It's like, if you if you didn't play God, would you want to play? It's like, because a lot of guys, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't fault guys for not playing at the same time. But at the, on the other side, like, you don't know 
you, if you if you love the game and you're going to play another game with your brothers, like you can't just assume you're going to get hurt. You can just assume you're going to hopefully it's going to work out like the other games worked out. And so I think he took that approach and he actually did get hurt in the game, but nothing crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think he he cherished putting on that paw for the last time. Even Skowski. I mean, Skowski didn't finish the game, but I hear him talk after the game. We talked. I think he was just proud. Like to, he, he gave it his best effort. So his, his mind is like, I'm leaving this thing with full peace about like, I gave this thing my all. And because I think nobody, everybody knew what was at stake. And it was even funny talking to some Iowa State players opted out. After the game, we were all hanging out together. And uh, I'm not going to drop your names, but some of your big players opted out. And they were like, bro, I wish I would have played. Because we, you know, and it's like, and we none of our guys had that experience because it's like, all right, we finished the season with 10 wins. Because honestly, if we don't get 10 wins this season, like this would have been like a, a more down year than, than any other year because we would have we pretty much been a team that loses a streak. So I think all of us just left on like a super like, like this year was tough, it sucked at times, but like we finished well. We got 10 wins. We weren't the team to not keep the streak alive. So I would just say the brotherhood, like that was kind of a long way to answer, but just like I think a couple a couple guys definitely got high rankings could opt it out. And you see a guy like Rio. Rio made money. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Big money. Like Rio made money this uh, last week. And so – um, you you see both of those things. Like obviously, you can up your draft status, you can play well, but all at the same time, I think everybody was like, "We're gonna give it our all and go after this last goal of ours, win the closing, and get this tenth win." I love that, man. I, I don't think you know none of us have been faced with a forty million dollar decision, but I have to just think at the end of the day, I'm playing with my guys. I mean, that that's just who I am. That's my DNA. Is is exactly what you just said. Why didn't I get hurt when I played South Carolina State? Why didn't I get hurt exactly. when I played App State? I, I'm gonna attack this thing like a warrior. And I think when you just play that way, when you play thinking about getting hurt, that's when that's when bad stuff's going to happen. Um, I, I want to ask 100%. you this because, you know, Clemson hasn't experienced this in a couple of years, which is different, you know, for the Tigers. Uh, what will a win in the postseason do going into 22? I mean, you, you have been on teams that certainly have finished the season winning and winning their last game. What kind of momentum does that give you going into winter workouts and then spring ball quickly after? I think it's a mix. So, so I would say context is I think every Clemson team the past couple of years have been fine because you've won a championship. We didn't so think about it, we didn't win this game and win a championship this year. So we have really nothing to to hang our hat on for the season. So I think in past years it has been fuel to come off a loss. Like we lost to Bama, then we went Natty. Lost to um, lost to Ohio State, lost to LSU, Ohio State. You know, say so we, we make these incredible runs. So I think this year, this finishing off like it just does something for your mental and does something for the morale of the team like we finish well and it's just something to build off of and i was one of coach Wayne's biggest things is like you guys finish well give this next year's team momentum going into 2022 and so i think just i know how i feel and i'm like and so i know the rest of the guys it's like all right we finished this year and i think those guys they're gonna be hungry you see a lot of guys are coming back they got a special group coming back i got really like I really like the makeup. I like the guys, some of the recruits that are coming in. Like I met a lot of those kids. And then just on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball, you got a lot of returner like ballers. And so I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be the attention's gonna be really clear. Like I think Clemson's going for another natty. Like it ain't they ain't no settling. That's the that's the mindset a lot of these guys coming back is like, well, let's go make this run and like let's really lock in and and like learn from last year. Cause there's a lot of things that I think can be prevented from this last season. And 
I think it's going to be great. I know Coach Batson was like, yeah, man, we got one week, two weeks, we're back at it. <laughs> so uh, I think they got, they, got, they, got a lot, they got a lot of clarity on what they want and a lot of momentum. Okay, well, speaking of next year and the cheese bowl in many respects, yeah. you had probably the weirdest bowl practice couple weeks of your career with all these coaching changes. And, you know, yeah. Coach Venables moves on to Oklahoma and Goodwin and Khan step up. Tony Elliott moves on to Virginia. Streeter steps up. What was that like for you? And then specifically, we'll start with the offense. Like, what was, I know you and Tony Elliott, obviously he was a running backs coach, so you guys have a, a great relationship. Right. What has that been like? And what is the future of Clemson's offense going to look like under Streeter? Yeah, uh, off rip, I just want to honor Coach E. I think he, he caught, caught a lot of slack this year. And honestly, knowing from what was going on, it was, players got to play at the end of the day. And people were mad. Some French, French. Did like, he? Did t- Coach Elliott drop any passes? No. Did he miss any throws? He did not. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Just, just for clarity, I'm glad you. Yeah. And so I think he caught he caught a lot of heat this year. And like, I mean, at times you could feel it in the building. Like he, he was catching a lot of slack. And people were mad at offense, but then people are, are raving about offense when we went we scored 44 points. It's just, it's the same place. Like I'm I'm telling you, like it is literally we. We run the same concepts. We're inside zone team, a spread team, RPO team. We throw, we throw shots. And teams also played us differently this year. Like, they were letting us run the ball more. So that's why we were able to kind of come on towards the end of the year. And they were daring us. To, you know what I'm saying? They were not letting us throw or whatever. And so it's just he, – he's a, he's a great offensive coordinator. And he's done a, had a lot of success. And everybody in the building, like, really looks at him. Not just a coach. People respect him as a person. And so that's why I think there was in, – inside the building, and obviously kind of people put our stuff on socials. Like everybody was super excited to see him get that job. That's a great indicator of who a person is, honestly, is when you see like the reactions of people that have been with them for years, like how they react to somebody get to, to somebody getting a promotion. And so I'm super happy for him. I talked to him. Um, <laughs> I actually saw him like two days after. I thought he was gone. Uh, I ain't the time I saw him, but I saw him. Me and Shifter were together. And we saw him. We like, is that Coach G? He walked into us, gave us a hug. And you could just see the joy on his face. And so... Uh, I was just super, I'm like I'm just super happy for him to get that opportunity because he's waited, turned down things, had conversations with us. He was always transparent. Like we were asking, especially when Travis is here. Travis was like, "Are you leaving, bro?" He was like, "Nah, I'm not gonna leave, man." And uh, he would be super transparent with our room and tell us why he wasn't leaving and really walk us through kind of like that process of like as a man. So happy for him. Uh, Coach Streeter has like obviously been a huge factor in like our quarterback play over the past seven years and we've done really well and so I think he's respected I think the coolest part for me was that transition was super easy like I remember showing for that first day of practice and like obviously Coach Elliott was gone but it felt like we're doing our, we're doing what we do and I think Coach Coach, Coach biggest thing now is tempo because I think we lost a little bit just s- somehow throughout the the process and he had us tempo and like crazy Mac knows we do like tempo we would do only in camp but we're doing tempo every day like every practice, we, like the second period of practice, we're doing t- t- a team tempo. And so I think that's a big emphasis for him. I think that's going to be something going forward, getting back to like that, just fast, 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 fast. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think he, he's going to do great. Uh, I think just even his last game, like once again, he, he can't make a catch or make a throw. But I think we're moving the ball really well. And the only time we stopped ourselves, we, we were stopped was we stopped ourselves. We didn't make the make third, third and shorts or something, something like that. But I love the play calls. I think I think him and DJ being able to like be together is going to be big for DJ's um, just like maturation throughout the next next year or so 
I think it's going to be good. I, I agree with you. Anytime that your play caller is the position coach, you know, that makes the most plays, which is always a quarterback. I, I just think it's right. more smooth. It's a smooth transition because you understand what each other like. You understand what you don't like. And it, it's just a seamless process. So excited to see the future there. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball um, because in my opinion, coach Venables is, is the best defensive coordinator ever. And now he is going to oh, Oklahoma. Sure. Uh, understand all the players are staying, but there has to be some type of drop-off, right? Has to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody's naive here. I think, yeah, it definitely, definitely has. I think his his intensity is something that I don't know if I ever meet again in my life. Um, and like <laughs> you, you, you know, especially playing scout team like for a couple of years, like you just he he's a super intense, super about his business type of guy. And some people might hate playing for him or hate him in the moment, but everybody loves him after the fact and because of who you become by being around him. So one, like once again. Everybody was super happy for V because we know we know the jobs he's turned down, and so everybody and they see that come full circle. You get fired from your school, you go level up and boss up for ten years and go be the best defensive coordinator ever, and you come back and get the head coaching job. It's like you can't even script it, script it any better. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be different. Uh, but I think a lot of guys are excited. Uh, I think uh, just from my perspective, like B was more scheme based. I think now you know, they were about the guys play a little bit more, especially on D line, get back to a little four, four down. Cause we, we kind of adopted Iowa State's defense, you know, like a cyclone three, three, five, like a bunch of people coming from, you don't know where people are coming from, but I think now it's going to be a little more simple. We'll see how it works. Um, but I think they, they really believe in West. I think that's the biggest thing. Like a lot of guys on both, like on that style, like they believe in West, they believe in coach Khan. And so, and really like when it comes down to it, you gotta, you kind of gotta make it work, you know. Like it's gonna be different, but that's kind of the mindset a lot of guys on defense is like, all right, this is what, this is what we got. We're not, we're trying not to suck, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't, I got that's probably all I can say, but definitely it's gonna be different. But I think it's it's still gonna be good, but different. You're see, wrench, you're offensive minded, just like me and Mac. We defense is eh, whatever. At the end of the we're day, who, the who really cares? Like, come on, we got score points. We got score, <laughs> we got score. Exactly. 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 We got to right, stop them when we can. I've been curious to ask you about this and have you flush it out for us. So on the radio show that I do, so many people are um, interested in what NIL is like from the student athlete perspective. Like what's the process? And Mac and I are too, because, you know, we're too old to have um, dealt with that at all. So as a guy who was able to really benefit from NIL this year, walk us through what it's like to secure an NIL deal. You could just give us an example of how that process works. In NIL, I think it's, so I'm preface this, people thought just because you can make money, you'll get money. And that is not the case. And so <laughs> off rip, I think a lot of guys have either not wanted to put in the effort required or understood how to get the money. And then I would say the playing field is so even now, like obviously from, I was able to benefit from it tremendously, but I don't play a lot, but I built a good personal brand. And there's other guys. There's a guy, Elon. Y'all can look him up. His name's John Seaton. This dude has like 700,000 followers on TikTok. And he's probably made more money than just about anybody. Wow. He plays, he's a, he's, he's a center in Elon. And so, um, and that, that's just like a high level of playing field. So don't get me wrong. Like, I think that the more big name you are, like, obviously, you see DJ stuff, you see other guys like Derek, Derek King. Like, you, if you play a lot, you, you're, gonna, you're bound to get something to fall on your lap. Like Brian Brasile, all, all these guys have made have made really good made really good money, um, and so I would think personal branding is probably the biggest thing. Like if you if you are playing, it only helps. If you're not playing, you still have a chance to make some money. And then um, there's different. There's a lot of different like little 
uh, middleman, you got Open Doors, you got Mogul, you got Dreamfield, you got a couple of different people who pretty much will go out and c- connect the businesses to the athlete. And so there's money there. But I've seen the most when you actually just go straight to the business. But not everybody has like that, like luxury if you don't like a, a good like marketing agent or you don't know how to like kind of hustle yourself. And so, but, and usually these deals will be like, all right, so I did a Raising Cane's deal and I feel like I'm just going to be open books. I feel like people want to know like the metrics, like, and how much money I'm not going to disclose on big one, but they'll be like, Hey, post this on your story or your Instagram. You can do Instagram story. You can do uh, you can do an Instagram post and it'll be essentially like, Hey, here's $25. You can leave up for 30 days. Um, and then you got some bigger ones that maybe like, like a six point partnership. Like, Hey, like we're uh, you get post two posts, do a TikTok, do a story and it's five figures plus. And so it's like, yeah, and it's just crazy because it's like, you when you're when you've been doing it for college, so you're like, is there actually this much money out there? And like these these companies really do have this to give, like they have like real dollars to amount to like you helping uh, market their businesses and brands. And so, and like I've seen, I've seen guys make five figures, six figures, like seven figures. It's a it's a crazy process, but I I really do. I'm happy for the athlete because. Like that's how I'm paying for my combine training is the money I made uh, through NIL. And so uh, I think it's, it's going to be good. I would, I would love to get a whole year's worth of NIL. I only got six months. Um, and also I think it's a big reason why a lot of guys are coming back because they, they know they can continue to play football better than stock and save time, make some money. I love that, man. Did, did you see any distractions did you ever see and i know it's a very limited sample size i know it's just one team you know with, with where you are but was there ever a time where you're like man you, you got to relax we got to focus on practice we got to focus on this or do you think your guys you don't have to like name drop anybody but or did you think everybody handled it maturely and, and everybody went about their business yeah i think early on it was, it was a little more like uncharted i think throughout the year people kind of learn how to balance it and and the biggest thing is like just make sure you handle your business because I, I think a go to anytime somebody's not playing well is to blame it on NIL, which I don't always, think is always always the, <laughs> the biggest the biggest the biggest factor in whether a person's not playing well or not. And then I but I will say from personal experience, you gotta learn how to manage it because these people give you deadlines. It's like real money involved and like, hey, you gotta post this by this point and you gotta make the content or like go do a photo shoot or go do make a TikTok or, or record a video. And so it can be stressful at times. But then you kind of get that paycheck and be like, all right, it's all worth it. Just like anything, any any job in America. It's That's like, right. You, you put in a, yeah, you, you see the paycheck, you're like, all right, this is worth it. <laughs> um, but I would say, I would say our guys handled it well. I think I think the one thing you'll probably see is like they might put some performance-based stuff on it, like going for it, because like some of the guys who got big deals at the beginning may not, you know what I'm saying? Like they may be like it may be contingent upon how you play during the season. Um so that that'll be interesting to see like this next year. Cause it's, it was it wasn't trying to for the athletes and for the companies. But everybody wants to kind of jump on it and be be the first to, to do deals with athletes. And so I think we I think we handled it well as a team. But at the same time, you, you kind of see things here and there, guys like I don't know, that may not be focused. And you don't know. I ain't gonna say I'm not gonna blame on NIL, but it could be. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, as we wrap up here, man, I, I gotta know what will be the uh, the thing you miss most about Clemson football. Don't start crying on the podcast, what? bro. No, nah, I'm not gonna start. Crying. I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say one, the food, uh, trading down here with a bunch of different athletes, uh, dude. 
what? <laughs> like people don't people don't get as much gear as we do. For those who don't know, what? Darian like, is a tiny little running back, not a big offensive lineman. He's just a little guy. See, don't let food. him shame you like that. You gotta <laughs> eat. You gotta eat. Hey, I mean, everybody knows I eat like a big offensive lineman. My my body fights off weight. Seriously, um, I would say the food. So shout out to our Paul Bistro. People don't know. Go look. Go find some videos. Go find some TikToks. Whatever. But there, our food is literally top tier. And you realize that you kind of get into the real, real world. And you're like, man, that was all free. Well, I played. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't free, but it was free. So I'll say the food. And then just, uh, I got with other people, man. Like, I think the people like at Clemson, the, that was kind of my first. The food is the food is a big, big part. Let me wrong. But the people have made the place. And I think just, uh, just being around so many good people every day, you get out to the real world and like, it's just, you're in a, a really safe, encouraged, protected bubble. But I ain't saying it's all perfect. Because it's not it's still people you're dealing with, but at the same time, like Clemson, the family really is a loving place to to develop as a young man, and so and I feel like they I got what I needed from it, and I'm gonna go use it and excel in life. But just looking back, I'm like, man, like like that was a really good place for me, and I think for any young person, you can go win anywhere, but I think you can only be developed like that in so many places, and maybe just that place, honestly. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm just looking back. I just feel so equipped for life, and I really dedicated to like my time my six years at clemson they prepared me with the connections skill set uh, mentality even working with the guys like um it's just i think i was just it's a great place because of the people and the, the effort they put into it last one for me wrench and we're going to talk about this in kind of your bio before we, we uh, get into this episode but uh when you look at what you did specifically off the field as well winning the disney spirit award the peaceful protest you guys put together the We Want to Play movement, which was huge, uh, the Good right. Works team that you made. So when you look back, what's the thing that you th- you think you'll end up being the most proud of? There was a uh, – I was really inspired by Virgil Abloh, who was like the Louis Vuitton, like, art, like artist designer who passed away. But one of the things that uh, like was like part of his like ceremony as he passed away in Miami, they said Virgil was here. But it was kind of just saying like his life, like you knew this man lived and he impacted people. When I think about my time, I feel like like Darian was in Clemson. Like I don't know, it's, it's simple as that. Like you, like I feel like I really left a mark, and I don't really need anybody to tell me that. As far as like I, I feel that I feel at peace with myself. Like all right, during my time there, I feel like I made the place better. Um, I feel like I, I contributed to the causes, uh, whether on the field or off the field, and I feel like people will be proud to know me. And so I think when I look at those things, and that those manifested in different ways throughout my career, but I would say those are things I'm most proud of. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I would, I would say that like, cause that's all that matters at the end of the day. Like you only, I wanted more stats, honestly, I wanted more other things, but then that's what gives me peace. And I feel like that's what's going to like, honestly, when people want to help me out in the future, anything like that, that's what people remember most about a person. And so I just feel like that, that's been my story. And I'm really glad like leaving, like knowing like, uh, like, and that was mission accomplished. So before we let you go, we talked about what you did. We talked about what you're going to miss. But how about the future, man? What what's moving forward? What is next for Darian Wrencher? Yeah, um, I'm a dreamer, and, and I was a dreamer before I got to Clemson. And you stay on Clemson long enough, you, Mac. You know you're gonna start dreaming bigger than ever if you just listen to Coach Twenty talk. And so I think for me, my Clemson story was a miracle, and I'm just like I'm in position to to even still get a shot. And so for me, it's about the pursuit. Uh, and I think. This is the next challenge for me is like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna train for pro day. I'm down here in Florida training the house of athletes. And 
it's challenging, but it, it feels like it feels right. Everything feels right. So I'm down here training for pro day. Would love to sneak into the league. Like I stuck in the Clemson. It's kind of my go-to line. And we'll see how it works out. Uh, then post that, uh, you might see me. We might all have a podcast together in like three years. Hey, come uh, on. Hey, come okay. on. Okay. But, but, um, but seriously, I want to be talk sports, like long-term play. And so my, my NFL career could last just pro day. It could last a day. It could last a year. It could last two years. Who knows? But I'm going to give it a shot. Just because I'm, I'm just this close and I'm like, and I know what I got in my tank. So I, I would love to get a shot from somebody. But I want to talk sports. That would be okay. cool. Sarah in the game. I, I don't know if I want to coach right away. Everybody thinks I want to coach. I don't know if I want to coach right away because that is time consuming. Uh, and, and so, but talking sports and being on air and having a voice in the game, that, that, that seems like the move. Well, let me tell you something. We, we know a couple people. We can put your name out there. No promises. Yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens. Ranch, man, this was so much fun. Thank you for your time. Uh, go get back to yoga. Work on those 40-yard uh, splits. <laughs> whatever you got to do, man. Good luck, but we appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. That was one of my favorite interviews that we've done, Mac. Wrench is, he's honest, but he, he's not out there to, to throw anyone under the bus. He's just telling you the truth. That's right. And he, he's able to articulate his thoughts so well. I, I just love talking to him. And a few things that stood out, that he's going to miss the food the most <laughs> from Clemson football, which I thought was excellent. That he was talking with Iowa State guys after the game, and they said they wish they would have played. That's fascinating. And that he's using his NIL money to pay for his combine training, which is so cool. So just so many great nuggets from Wrench, and we really appreciate his time, Mac. Well, no question about it. I think the uh, one thing that you just mentioned there, the fact that there were players, uh, and there's probably context clues who those players were, uh, that were saying, man, I wish I would have played. None of us, I can guarantee you this, none of us that played at a high level, college, maybe any level, actually, Nobody says, man, I, I wish I played less. I wish I played less yeah, games. No. I wish I didn't play that that last game of my high school state right. championship. I wish I didn't play that last bowl game. N nobody says that. Nobody. And so super cool that that was kind of brought to light there by Wrench, kind of our our insider, if you will. And, uh, man, I hope that guy does have an NFL career because, you know, I might be on the hot seat if that guy's in the in the <laughs> job market if he's looking for something to do. Yeah, Mac, everyone knows we need more Clemson people on ACC Network. We have, like, we don't have enough. So uh, we'll, we'll get on that. And, guys, this podcast is produced by our great friend, Richmond Weaver. He has a lot of projects going on. Check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports, and his new pod that I was just on, and it should be coming out soon, Automatic, about college basketball, men's and women's with former Florida sharpshooter, and she's also on the SEC Network now, Steffi Sorensen. So check out that podcast, Automatic, and Rich Take on Sports, wherever you get your pods. Come on, KG. That that podcast is an automatic listen, guys. Ooh, come on. Like They're getting it. after it. Love listening to it weekly. I mean, it's fantastic. And then when they have great guests like Kelly Gramlick on, I mean, my gosh. Just Never takes heard it, of her. Takes it to another level. But thank you so much for listening. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane brought to you by our friends, over at Duke's Mayo, if you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We'd greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.